let me pray real quick. Uh, Father, we are grateful that we can worship you today. Grateful, Lord, because there's so much going on in our world. If anybody's week has been like mine, it's a blur. But in that blur, there was so much heartache and trauma. Seeing the video of Tyree Nichols should shake us all. Hearing about the shootings in California in our, among our Asian brothers and sisters should shake us all. Father, we live in a broken world where evil happens and we cannot live as we've not been impacted by it. Father, give us the strength to focus our attention on you today so that we might find a way, find a hope, find the energy to persevere and fight for those things that are righteous and good in justice. Help us, Father, today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Greetings. Um, glad to be with you all today. Um, I don't want to spend too much time with preliminary things. But I want to be able to read our text. You can be seated as I read our text. But it comes, you can turn to your Bibles or in your app to 1 Peter 4, verses 10 through 11. And when you get there, say amen. All right. I don't hear too many amens. I'll let y'all get there. Say amen when you got there. All right, people. We got apps today. I don't know why it's taking so long, but we're going to get it right. But let me read from God's word to the people of God, starting at verse 10 in 1 Peter 4, it says like this, just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's word. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Let me briefly pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for that. God, um, in us, Lord, you have given so much. Um, and Lord, I hope we can recognize what you've done in us. Lord, for me, Lord, I need to recognize that you have called me for this task today, that I can hope in you. I can find my strength in you, Lord, to do your will. Lord, I counted a privilege to get to speak to your people today, to preach to them, to declare unto them the mysteries of God. So, Father, hide me behind your cross. Allow me to preach, thus saith the Lord. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, recently, um, you know, I watch the news from time to time, or mostly YouTube, amen. <laughs> And I came across a story, actually, of a young kid in Colorado who had autism. Um, his name was Jude. Some of y'all might have seen it. Um, but I, I remember just the story because it touched me. It was like uh, this kid developed these special gifts out of nowhere, right? Uh, he, this, this gift to play the piano. Like, and he started to master it so much so that he started to make YouTube videos. And I actually started looking at some of those YouTube videos, and I was, like, astonished by his skill. It even made the local news. That's how I heard about it. Uh, and this got the attention of, of a piano technician, and, and this piano technician was so moved by this kid's talent that he donated a grand piano. Actually, Jude got to pick from several pianos. And, and what touched me about this was, was not really like the piano itself, but it's what the man said about Jude and explained why he gave the gift to Jude. He said this, the ripple effects over the next 70 or 80 years is incalculable. It's not just for him, but all the people he's going to touch. See, he knew that this gift that he was giving for, to Jude, it wasn't just giving him a piano to practice on. It wasn't just for him to have fun on, right? But he knew that Jude would use this gift to bring joy and encouragement to others. Today, the, the core value I'm addressing is strategic stewardship, right? This value is saying God has entrusted us with, with, with resources and gifts to impact the lives of others, to show off his greatness. In our vision script, it reads, we carefully and responsibly want to manage all of, all of what God has entrusted to us, time, 
talents, and treasures to display the attractiveness of God. Faithfulness to this is seen as more important than our personal comforts. We're in this series, and you've been journeying along with us. It's been the first three weeks we've been going through our, 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 our series called For the Culture. And we're looking at our core values as a church to build our convictions, right? The, and, and these convictions are going to be expressed by the how we live as a church. See, here's the thing. God wants us to know what it means to steward our lives well. He wants us to, uh, to, uh, he wants to know that we, we've been given resources or gifts to use to impact the church, the community, and the world around us, to show off his greatness. It's not about living comfortable lives, contrary to what we might, we might believe. That doesn't mean God doesn't want us to relax, that he doesn't want us to care for ourselves in some way, right? But what he wants us is, is to minister to the needs of others. We have a responsibility to, to express God's love to one another, and to the people around us. Listen to this. Today, we are looking in God's word for the inspiration and conviction to do just that. We build our convictions to live on God's word. As it hits our heads and moves down to our, our hearts, it should be moving through our lives. We want God to capture our hearts so that these truths will be at the core of us as a church, and it will bleed through our lives. My main point today is simple, y'all. I'm going to make it real quick and real simple. Maybe not real quick. Amen? I can't promise that. <laughs> Everything that God entrusts to us is to serve his greatness. I got two points today. I'm a two-point brother. Y'all, if y'all have not noticed, I got two points today. Two, our gifts are results of God's grace. And two, our gifts are for his glory. We have only two verses, but the context of, of, of this, uh, these verses are, are important. If you're going to uh, really experience this text, you've got to know its context. This letter was written by Peter, obviously, right? To, and he was, he was writing to suffering Gentile Christians in Asia Minor. He wrote this letter to encourage them in their suffering. He wanted them to know that their suffering proved that they were children of God and that their suffering was a witness to Jesus. Peter wanted them to realize that Jesus was on the way to end all of their pain and suffering. And as they anticipate his return, he encouraged them to live in a way that, to display God in their lives, to show off his greatness. What you see in verse 7 through 9, which we did not read, is Peter is urging them to live faithfully. And he lists three things about what it means to be a faithful Christian. The first one, you, to be a faithful Christian, you have to be a, a praying Christian. That prayer is the heartbeat of a Christian. It is the lifeblood of a Christian. He also says that loving people consistently and constantly is, is, the, is, is, is important. It is the, the, the basic reality of a, of a Christian that that's what it means to be faithful. And the last one he says in verse 9, he says, listen, he says that we are to display hospitality without complaining. Amen or oh me. That's tough for me, I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. I ain't got no southern, you know, hospitality. To be a hospitable church is more than just being nice or, or making people feel comfortable. It's about caring for their needs. It's about seeing them, and it's about ministering to, to their deepest longing. It's about helping people experience Jesus. God has called us as his church to be strategic stewards of the gifts and resources he's entrusted to us. And we do this by serving and ministering to the needs of others. This starts when we realize that our gifts are a result of God's grace. What I mean is that God gives gifts so that we, uh, we give, uh, God gives gifts so that we can uh, give what we've gotten, uh, we've, given, we've got given what we've gotten to others. Please help me, Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Ain't them G's that mess you up, that alliteration. You try it, boy, but ain't nobody tell you it was easy to get up here and do this. Verse 10 says it like this. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the, of the uh, grace of God. I remember growing up, and some of y'all remember this growing up, uh, we had this thing called show and tell. How many of y'all, by the show of hands, uh, participated in show and tell? Amen. Um, I, you know, if you don't know what show and tell is, that's really weird that I didn't see many hands go up. That's really weird. Uh, 
<laughs> either that's all, that means I'm old or that means I'm, no, y'all, they do something different where y'all from. But I remember it, it, show and tell was about bringing something that you had, maybe a gift, maybe a, a prize you won, maybe a, a trophy, maybe an award, or maybe even a pet. I, I even bought, I bought, I asked my mama to buy me a snake just to bring it to show and tell, amen? I didn't even want to touch the thing. Everybody was playing with it. I was like, hey, come on, chill, y'all. I don't know. I don't like that thing. I was like, just to bring it. Because I thought it was called show off and brag. That, that's what I thought show and tell was about. Show off and brag, right? I, I had something that nobody else had and everybody wanted. I wanted all the attention to be on me. I was clout chasing even as a kindergarten, amen? Even as we've gotten older, we still desire to impress people, right? To utilize what we have as our, primarily for our own comfort, for our own acclaim, right? Man, especially here in Atlanta, boy. Woof. People are, can be self, so self-absorbed, right? They are overly concerned about their appearances and their status. A lot, a lot of people are, are focusing on building their resumes or their portfolio to impress others. Amen? Oh, me. See, if some, you didn't say amen, maybe you're one of those people. Life here seems like a, an adult game of show and tell. We, we, we take pride in our accomplishments, and, and we, we, we think the world is centered around us. We begin to fool ourselves to believe we have created what we have. We just manifested it, amen, oh me. We've elevated ourselves and, uh, and lessened God. The first part of our verse 10, it says a lot. It says, just as each one has received a gift... I believe the first part of understanding what it means to be a strategic steward is recognizing that God owns it all. That he owns everything. Everything belongs to him. You are who you are, not because you worked hard, not because you manifested it, because God's grace. Amen? You might be hot stuff, but it's only because of God's grace. And it's to display his greatness. Nobody here is self-made. We were all made in the image of God. We were created by God, for God. Amen? It's like FUBU. Some of y'all remember that brand? We're God's FUBU. Amen? 1 Corinthians 15 says it like this. And I love what Paul says about his own life. He said, but by the grace of God, I am who I am. Again, that's because we are not our own. We, we are to serve his purposes, right? We are to serve God. There's a rightful owner of all of our stuff, and it's God. Psalm 24, 1 says it all. The earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants belong to the Lord. Let that sit in your spirit for a second. God is the creator and sustainer of all things, and everything should be at his disposal. Now, my question to you is, do you believe your stuff belongs to God? Do you believe the stuff that you have, everything in your life? He said everything belongs to him. Do you believe it belongs to God? Do you act like it belongs to God? Our text today emphasizes gifts of the Spirit specifically, but God should have authority over every aspect of our lives. Your time, your treasures, your talents, these are the resources that everyone has. There's not one person in here who doesn't have time, a treasure, or a talent. Everyone has these resources to give to others, though. When God asks you to take time to stop doing what you're doing, just to listen or care for somebody, to listen to your spouse, to listen to your friend, or listen to your neighbor, just to help them feel loved and heard or seen, what do you say? When he asks you to give up something that feels so precious to you to provide for somebody else, give up a, give up a dream of you that you've always had since you were younger, how do you respond? When God asks you uh, to use your talent for free and with little recognition to serve others, how do you feel? This reality, God's ownership, should shape our lives. It should impact how we experience God, God and others. It should impact how you use your time, treasure, and talents. You give what God has given to you. If everything truly belongs to God, then that means God has authority over all your stuff, right? Amen? This means you don't have the right to withhold things from God. Amen? What's rightfully his to use at his discretion? 
Are you robbing God of what's rightfully his? Your life, it's his. For most of us, this truth should be creating tension. It should be. It should make you examine in your life if there's anything you're not willing to give up or do for God. If I'm completely honest, the truth is, this is a basic building block of the Christian faith. It's the ABCs of the Christian walk, but it feels like AP calculus, doesn't it? Amen? It's kind of complicated. Some of y'all are like, I'm an engineer. That's easy for me. I don't care. (laughs) Todd, y'all, people (laughs) who's smarter than me. For everyone here, there's parts of our lives we deem untouchable to God. Off limits to God. We slap his hand away when he gets too close to it. I I love what Paul Tripp says because he says it's because there's a glory war in all of us. There's a struggle for control, a struggle for who's going to dictate the boundaries of our lives. What we will or what we won't do, right? We are bigger than God. Our feelings are bigger than God's feelings. Our ideas are bigger than God's ideas. Our desires are bigger than God's desires. Our dreams are bigger than God's dreams. Our pleasure is bigger than God's pleasure. You think you have as much say as God, or maybe even more than God. Our lives are to to display his glory and his greatness, not to steal it. God is generous with his resources, though, right? He gives everyone something. God didn't leave anyone out. In God's generosity, he gave you new life, but he also gave you a gift. Now, the word used here for gift is charisma which indicates it's a free gift, a spiritual gift that's empowered by God to do something for God. God gives without discrimination, without prejudice, without favoritism. God gives uh, gifts according to the measure of grace to serve him. Thank God, God doesn't give gifts based on our merits. Because the brother would come up empty-handed, amen? (laughs) Look at this. With every gift comes his power. And the great prophet Ben Parker said to, uh, to Peter Parker, with great power comes great responsibility. Amen? We are given a responsibility. As this verse continues, it says, use it to serve others as a good steward of the varied grace of God. Strategic stewardship is using our gifts and resources to serve others. God has given us his great power to be responsible and attentive to the needs of others. Isn't that amazing? One of the things we have to realize is because God owns everything, even your gift, that means there's, that we have agency, though, right? It means we have agency, but the agency we have is to ask this question. Will you or won't you use your gifts for his greatness or your own? That's the agency we have. We have a decision to make, people. Is it about your glory or is it about his? And it's going to show if you are truly submitted to him. Using our gifts for his purpose shows that we are submitted to him. Here's the thing. To love God is to obey him. To do what he says. That's the word of God. We think that we can disobey God and still say we love him. That is a fallacy, y'all. It's untrue. To continue to walk in disobedience means you don't love God. You're not submitted to him. Obedience to God shows us shows love. And here's the thing. We are all required to use our gifts, and we do this by serving others. That's what a steward does. That's the definition of steward. One of the unique things about these words, serve and steward, they're, they're, they're household words. They describe a person in a household, right? The, the servant serves the master in the household. That's why it says show hospitality. And it's part of showing hospitality is serving somebody, becoming Jeffrey, Amen. Becoming Benson to other people. Some of y'all don't know who Benson is. Hey, boy. <laughs> amen. Some of the older saints say amen. Come on. I need that. <laughs> Randy Alcorn in, uh, in the Treasure Principle said it like this. A steward manages assets for the owner's benefit. The steward carries no sense of entitlement to the assets of of his manage of of the assets he manages it's his job to find out what the owner wants done with his assets then carry out his will 
The goal to use our gifts is to, is to care for others, to help others, because God said so, not me. It wasn't what Mo said, because Mo would have done a different thing, amen? It's what God says. Another word for service minister. That means we're all called to ministry. We are all priesthood. It's the priesthood of all believers. We're all called to do ministry as a church. There is not one person that's not called to minister. But here's the thing. It ain't about a title. I would give away my title as a pastor in a heartbeat. I don't care about the title. But we think we need a title, ministry leader, pastor, deacon, archbishop, prophet, prophetess, whatever you want. We let titles dictate our level of commitment and responsibility. I do what I do because I'm a Christian, not because I'm a pastor. I've always done this. Amen, wife? Where my wife at? Sandy. Amen? I'll let my wife speak for me. But here's the thing, y'all. Paul put it best in 1 Corinthians 14, 12, as, he was, uh, he, as people were overly excited in the church about using their gifts. He said this. This is, how you, this is how you use them. He said, so also you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, seek to excel in building up the church. Paul was like, since you are all eager to, ha to have these spiritual gifts and want to use them so badly, then you should be excelling at edifying one another, spiritually encouraging one another. Every gift and resource God has entrusted to us should be used to strengthen each other's faith and proclaim the gospel to others. If you want to talk about spiritual gifts, because everybody want to talk about, I'm speaking in tongues and I'm prophesying. Talk to, talk to me about how you're encouraging somebody's faith and walking with them through their struggles. This, that's why this text isn't listing off gifts. It's not lifting off gifts because you're too overly consumed with gifts. And Peter knows that. It's all about me. What gift do I have? Peter is saying, don't worry about the gift. Worry about the function of the gift. Paul is like, since you are, are so eager, use it to build up the church. If, here's the thing. If you are, are using what, what has been given to you to give to others, then that means you are a good steward. If you're not using what God has entrusted you or given you to, to give others, you're a bad steward. Man, the, the, the text is plain. Man, we should all feel, let me just say this. If we are a spirit-filled church, amen? If we're a church who operates in the power of the Holy Spirit, the activity of our lives, the activity of this church should be building each other up to encourage one another's faith, to, to help somebody who's struggling with, with, with doubt, help somebody who's struggling with just, just uh, uh, the thoughts about God, who's struggling with despair or depression, who can't see the goodness of God, as my boy Mike Ferrone said. That should be the weight we all feel, the responsibility we all have to walk with people through their doubt, their shame, to walk with people through the crisis of faith, their struggles with sin, because sin is about belief too. You don't believe God says who he is. That's why we sin. Here's the thing, y'all. We should be sharing our faith with other people. If we're doing what God has, what he's given us, we should be sharing our faith. We really don't need a, let me, and I'm going to say this, it might be controversial to some of y'all in here who are high administration and structural people, right? Amen. We don't need a discipleship ministry. We don't need a missions ministry. That is what a Christian does. That is what we do. The only reason why we need structures is to facilitate what's already happening in our hearts. To facilitate the ministry, to organize it, not to create it. This is not the field of dreams, y'all. If we build it, they will not come. That's not how this works. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then your activity of your life will give evidence to it. How are you using what God has given you to care for the souls of others? It continues to say the very grace of God. Peter wants these believers to know that they all have different gifts. When God gives gifts, he gives them, and in, 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 in they vary. 
He's communicating that we all have value and worth. Every person has, has a purpose and a responsibility in our church. Every person has a gift that should be valued and exercised. Not one person who is part of our body is expendable. Do you believe that about people? People have value to God, so they can't not have value to us. The way we engage people should be to help them see their value, to help them see that they're valuable to, 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 to you. God has woven together this beautiful tapestry of people and their gifts, resources in the church. And we have to get rid of this individualistic mentality. Tanisha said it well at prayer. It's about the we, not the I. You, can you identify your individualistic tendencies? How you tend to build your life around you? How you, you operate primarily focusing on your self-improvement and personal development, but not community development? You focus 99% uh, of your energies on you. <laughs> and you can live out your faith very selfishly. Your critique of sermons is based on because they didn't speak to your needs. Fellowship and community is about what you get out of it. It's about your personal growth. You only use your gifts when you feel like it or when it's convenient for you. Your feelings are more important than other people's feelings. You're the only one struggling with what you're struggling with. Your pain is greater than other people's pain. Uh, Pastor Jared said it uh, well when we were at our pastor's meeting. He says, we need a community to hold each other's pains. We do. And I'm not disagreeing with that. But it can't be all about you. How are you holding somebody's pain? How are you holding somebody and carrying them and loving on them? How are you helping them carry the burdens that they have? It's about your ministry, right? It's about your purpose, though, right? Just as uh, Romans 12, which Paul starts to talk about gifts, he says in verse 4 and 5, he says, Now we have many parts in one body, and, and all the parts do not have the same function. In the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Yes, we are individuals with different resources and gifts, but we best function as a collective. Yes, there is agency, but your agency is supposed to be used to, to benefit the whole, not the part. God gives us gifts to benefit the whole. My pastor one time asked me, I was pastored very well, I ain't gonna lie. I, I'll be really honest. My pastor once uh, asked me, he said, Mo, how do you know that you're using your gift well? And, and I was like, I don't know, pastor, you tell me. You know how we do it. <laughs> I don't know, man, you tell me, pastor. And he said, it's based on your relationship with God's people. You know you're a growing Christian or realizing the effectiveness of your gift when it, you see the impact on other people. When you see the impact, these were wise words to a young Christian that will one day become a pastor. He helped me embrace my gift, also embrace the gift of others. Your gift's effectiveness and value is attached to how it helps others. How you benefit the whole, not your personal edification. You need other people's gifts just as much as they, they need yours. We need each other. We shouldn't value others more because they have certain gifts or maybe even more gifts than you. Maybe they have more resources than you. You shouldn't value them more. We need to be careful to elevate certain Christians because of their gifts. That's the weirdness of this, this culture, this, this Christian celebrity culture, right? We, still, we feel some people are more important because of what they have, the gifts that they display, because they, they have a platform that you don't have. So you value their opinion more. Some of us are, are, are let me be real. I'm going to be honest with y'all. Okay, this is a real moment for Mo. Some of y'all are more encouraging on social media than you are in your relationships in this church. Some of y'all display all this godliness on, in public, but I've never seen you minister to anybody's needs in this church. I never see you care for anybody. Walk with them as they're struggling, right? I wish some of y'all would be as deep in your relationships online, or here as you are online, posting quotes on scripture, but you ain't got a word for nobody else in this church. Be careful to believe the church is built only on the public displays of the gifts, even my own as a pastor. This church is not built on my preaching. 
It's built on your gifts, the people who go unnoticed sometimes. These folks in the children's ministry, right? These folks setting up every Sunday. These folks on, this, on in the sound booth. These people behind here who are, who are helping with the live stream. These folks who, 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 are, who are opening up their homes to care for the needs of others. These po- folks who are walking with people through grief. Those folks sitting with people who are struggling with depressions. Those folks who are helping, struggling marriages. Those folks leading uh, out in our uh, outreaches to our community, those folks who are caring for new mothers and new members, those folks who are reaching out to people who got disconnected from community, those folks who are praying and interceding constantly for others. Do you realize many of you guys are being prayed for by somebody and they go unrecognized by our church? Sylvia has a prayer call all the time with the women. Somebody's being prayed for in here. You don't even realize the things that are developing in your life for for godliness is because somebody prayed for you. Amen. The church isn't built on Instagram reels or TikTok, y'all. Or just a few people's gifts or resources. We all need to contribute. I want to convince you today that you matter. That you are important. that, That we need you. Since the beginning of this church, and, and Richard can amen me, uh, Pastor Jerry can amen, we knew that this church's success was built, would be built on the backs of its members. And we're at a pivotal time at this point in the life of our church where we need everybody to participate. We need everybody to show out and show up with their gifts. If we're truly going to see transformation in this church and our community, you got to show up. You got to. I can't change anything by myself. The Spirit moves through his church, not just Mo Richard or anybody else. Since the beginning, this is what we knew. We need a full variety of God's, uh, God's gifts that he's entrusted. Here's the thing. You might be struggling and be like, yo, Mo, I don't know how to tell if I, what my gift is or how I can contribute. Here's the thing. I love spiritual gifts tests, but they're not, that's not always true for everybody. You're going to find out your gift through a spiritual gift test or a self-assessment. It's when you are doing life with people. It's when when you're living life with people and you're living out your faith. It's when people experience you, they can help you discern what your gift is. That they can affirm what they've experienced from you. The body of Christ affirms the gifts of people, not a test apart from community. Encouraging and affirming is the best way to help each other discover gifts. My sister Tanisha said something powerful last uh, uh, Wednesday at prayer. She says, do something that gives you joy. And I agree with that 100%. I want to give a caveat, though, right? Sometimes joy comes after. Not, and, and sometimes, not even always during. Not even before. But it comes after your obedience to God. We need to do a better job noticing people, though, y'all. And starting to show, show how we've been encouraged by people's gift. If somebody has shown you hospitality, praise them for it. Their teaching, praise them for it. Their gift of administration, praise them for it. Their gift of leadership, praise them for it. Their, their, their compassion, praise them. Their wisdom, praise them. Their discernment, praise them. Their generosity, praise them. Their faith, praise them. Their boldness, witness for Christ, praise them. Their ability to love and, and carry others' burdens, praise them. And the list goes on because these are actually gifts listed in the Bible. And here's I know I just listed off these gifts, but, but I want you to notice that our text today spends less time mentioning these gifts, like I said. But the focus is the use of our gifts. It's focused on, it's not explaining or, or helping us understand gifts, but to encourage us to use and use them to build up the church. God commands us to use our gifts for the greater good of others, but he also wants us to use our gifts to display his greatness. Our gifts aren't supposed to be used to point people to us for our own glory. But it's it's to make God look good, right? That he already does, amen? Not to make you look good. Our gifts are for his glory or for his greatness. Meaning that we are going to, if we're going to steward what God entrusted to us well, then our gifts are to show off God. Verse 11 says this, if anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's word. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides, so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Some of y'all might think I'm a sneakerhead, but I'm not. I'm not a sneakerhead, but I, 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 I want to be sometimes. <laughs> Amen. 
And everybody that knows anything about sneakers is what? The most popular, iconic sneaker is what? Jordans, amen? We, we know that Jordans are essentially the greatest shoe to ever be created. Let's be real, they are. Popularity proves that. And here's the thing, the, the popularity of them is a reflection not of the shoe is the prettiest or the most attractive, amen? It's, 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 it's popularity is on the iconic status of who Jordan is. You know, shoot, like even Travis Scott's, they are built on the back of Travis Scott. Yeezy tried to jump over the, uh, the jump man, but he never could make it, amen? It's not the shoe itself, but who's behind the shoe that makes it great. The importance and value of our gifts and resources should be a reflection of the gift giver. Our gifts are to show off God's greatness. That's our main objective in life. People need to experience God. That happens in, in what we say and what we do. Amen? We use our gifts as resources uh, to show off the designer. Amen? If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides. Verse 11 is simply just categorizing our gifts into two different categories. Gifts of exhortation and speaking and gifts of service and helping. They're, they're gifts of showing and telling. Amen? Peter does not want us to focus uh, on one particular gift, but the purpose of our gifts. The point is that all gifts are to reflect God, his power and grace. Our gifts are fueled by God to promote his love and, and toward humanity. This is important so we don't get caught up in ourselves. We don't get caught up in our gifts, but we get caught up on who the gift points to. Our gifts are to display God's power and grace to all humanity through Christ. Notice, if we are to speak, we are to use God's word. It could be better said like this. If you're going to say something to somebody, man, you better say, you better say, you got to use God's word to say it. Here's the thing. The context is very clear. Peter is talking to a church who feels like they're in the last days. That they're facing, they're facing persecution. Here's the thing. When you're facing persecution and you're facing a, a deadline that's coming in soon, you do not waste words or time. Do you? There's a sense of urgency. They know that souls are on the line. Life is hard. Depression and discouragement is setting in. I don't know about you. We can't have a romanticized view of the, of the early church. These people were suffering. They were, being, they were facing depression and anxiety just like we are. The early church speaks about the church. The, 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 even the Protestant Reformation speaks about that too. Have you ever read the, read the bio of John Calvin or Martin Luther? These dudes were jacked up. Have you ever heard or read about other, other great leaders in our faith? These people had issues. So why do we think our church would be any way different? People are struggling in our church, and we have words to give them. Not our own words. There is no power in our words. There's power in the Word of God. We are fueled, empowered by God's word. That's some, our most uh, important resource. Strategic stewardship means we understand that God's word is our most powerful resource. Our effectiveness in ministry is because of God's word. But do you understand your responsibility to yield such power in your hands? And to not use it is like, like, throw, like when, if you have a, a life preserver and somebody's drowning in a sea of despair and you don't throw it to them. The verses that always stand out to me is Hebrews 3.13 where it tells us to encourage one another's faith constantly. And Hebrews 4.12 where it tells us the word of God is living and acting, the active, that it, it is, is alive and it gives life. These verses of ours today reveal the power of God's word and his ability to change lives, to restore souls. The goal for Peter is helping us see that God's word is powerful and it is our, re it is our resource to see life-changing ministry to one another. God's word is our power, y'all. I love how Paul Put, talked about his ministry when he's defending his ministry in, in 1 Corinthians 4. He says this, this is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. In, in his book, Trellis and the Vine, Colin Marshall talks about church growth is people growth. 
and, and that it's only possible through the stewardship of God's word. R read it with me. It says, people growth happens only through the power of God's spirit as he applies his word to people's hearts. The, the, that's the way people are converted. That's the way people grow in their immaturity in Christ. We plant in water, but God gives the growth. We speak God's word to someone, and the spirit enables a response. The reality is that God has called each one of us to utilize God's word for his glory. Do not expect a church to truly flourish, especially our church to fully flourish, or if you're not participating in this work. Don't expect us to, to have true life-changing ministry in our community if you're not participating in giving out what God has given you, his word. Verse 11 continues, it says, if we serve, let it be from the strength God provides. Uh, the text is talking about all the gifts of helps. It's saying use God's strength to help one another. Peter is using shorthand again because he's lumping together every possible way a person can help one another in the church or in, in, in our community. There's nothing too small or there's nothing too big. Whatever we have, use it. Whatever he's given, use it. I don't care how much you think you don't have. God has given you something. Use it for others and for his glory. Uh, one person, I, uh, let me just say this. It's nothing above or below a Christian. My, I love my wife. She's a great woman. Her, 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 her spiritual, her spiritual uh, well, I would say her love language is service. That is not my love language, amen? <laughs> and I love how she serves others. Uh, um, I, I, every time I, I see her during Teacher Appreciation Day at, at, at our children's school, she, she goes above and beyond what I actually think is reasonable, amen? Let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, the sister is spending all night making homemade cinnamon rolls, baking cookies or, or cookie dough and, and to give to, to, to the teachers. And I'm looking at that like, boy, that's why I got a belly now, Sandy. Why you keep doing this to me? I don't eat it that way, that like that. <laughs> but she's doing that. And you know what's also impressive? She becomes a barista. She makes flavored lattes with her homemade syrups, and the teachers pre-order it with a list. And she's sitting there taking her whole espresso machine that costs a lot of money, amen. And she's pulling shots, amen. Making personal lattes for people. And I'm like, baby, how much is it going to cost us? Amen. But I wouldn't, rather, I, would, I wouldn't want to see her do anything different. I share this because she uses what she's got to serve. There's nothing beneath her or above her. I see so many people doing this in our church. That there's nothing beneath them or above them. This verse is saying, whatever you can do, do it. There shouldn't be anything you believe is beneath you or above you. God gives you strength for those tasks. Whether it be tutoring in our community helping a neighbor at home if they have some work around the house to do, cooking a meal for somebody. And what about just listening to somebody, hearing their heart, seeing what they're struggling with, offering them some type of support? How about giving someone a ride to church or to the grocery store? How about helping them find work, helping their financial needs? And to all the new mothers, how about just helping them out a little bit, caring for their needs, is there anything in you, do you have anything that can help somebody else? Using your gift is not about the extraordinary or the supernatural. So sometimes we focus so much on the, the extraordinary or, or the supernatural of the gifts, but it's about the everyday life of a Christian. If you can't do the basics of the faith, don't try to be sitting up here saying, hey, I'm going to prophesy you or, or speak tongues to you, right? It's not to say that you can't believe in it because I personally do believe in those things. But it's not in those things. Even Paul rebuked the church for that. He said, if you do not have love, it doesn't matter if you speak in the tongues of angels. Rebuke yourself right now. Amen. Small things add up. People begin to see your love and your kindness. And it begins to reveal who our God truly is. There's nothing above and beneath our God. Friends, the goal of our service is for people to see who's behind our service. We are always painting a picture of Jesus by what we are willing to do for them. 
Our service is empowered by God. God has called us to a life of sacrifice for others, to spend our lives serving others. Burnout is a real thing. Amen? Everybody can tell, uh, testify that. We have a church full of people who have been burnt out. I know it. I get to hear their stories. But if we were using our gifts to encourage one another and strengthen one another, that would happen less and less. So it's the church's responsibility to care for one another. Amen or oh me. We are called to a life that models Jesus' sacrificial service, right? It isn't easy. Our capacity to serve is limited. But the verse says, with God's strength. It's talking about having God's help to be humble and faithful enough to go beyond our own pride, our own egos, and beyond our own limited ability. Be honest with yourself, right? Let's be honest. Can y'all be honest with yourself right now? Just, just tell me. Are there things you're not willing to do for God? Are there things that are just too hard to do for God for you? I know there are places that are too far to go. There are, there, are, there are things that are too expensive to give. There are works too strenuous to do. There are things you feel like that are so far above you. But there's also a lot of stuff that you feel like is too beneath you as well. A person operating in the strength of God knows there is nothing that God can ask of them that, that he can't provide. The humility and the faithfulness to do. It can be hard to serve people, amen? Because some of y'all aren't very lovable, amen? Let's keep it gangster. I ain't like, look, I can be hard to love. I'll admit it about myself. My wife can tell you, I'm a, I, I'm a tough cookie sometimes. We feel the war and the wrestle within ourselves. But God's strength helps us in the, in the midst of that war, giving us the humility to do and serve those type of people, Serving people faithfully is hard, too. We need to endure. Some of our marriages are very hard right now, right? Amen or on me? See, somebody won't admit it, but I, I can admit that marriage is hard. But God gives us the strength in the midst of, of that. Even when you don't feel like you've been loved for years, God gives you the strength to persevere and return in love. Even with family, friends, and roommates, it's hard to serve and care for people, who, especially if they feel entitled, right, and ungrateful. But God gives you strength to do that, the faithfulness to do that. That's why we need Christ's strength. Despite what we've, what we've done to him, how we've been unfaithful, despite how we've been, we treated him, Jesus humbly and faithfully served us by going to the cross on our behalf. He'll take our burden upon himself. He endured the painful process of the cross so that we would be forgiven and brought back to God. When we serve others like this, it shows off the character of God to others, God's humility and enduring love. Strategic stewardship means utilizing what God gives for the privilege that people can see God's character through us. Our text concludes with a conclusion. So I'm almost done, y'all. I'm sorry. It says so that God would may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. How we use our gifts and how you use your gift and resources should display the gospel to people around you. Your ministry to others should show the beauty and the greatness of Jesus. Is your life a witness to Jesus? Are you, we are living stories. We are being read all the time. When we're driving, and we cut somebody off and cuss them out, right? Amen. When we're in the store and we don't let people go first, we got like three items, we got like 20. Every moment is a, it can be a witness to Jesus' humility and enduring love. Here's the thing, y'all. The hope is that when people see our lives and hear our words, they see God's love and kindness toward them. We aren't finished products. I get that. The gospel is still at work in us all. But are you willing to use what you have so that people can see Jesus through you? Is your life worthy of the gospel? Does your life look like the gospel is transforming you? That the love of Christ, uh, of Christ is compelling you to live a life that is proclaiming God's grace and mercy to others by, which, by the way you live and what you say? We say this all the time, don't we? We want to decrease so that God may increase. But is that the reality of your life? What reveals true stewardship is when your life is transforming. When life becomes less about you and more about Jesus' glory and greatness. Our text ends on a doxology, actually. 
The word glory means dox, is doxa, right? Which is an expression of praise for God's magnificent, magnificence and excellence. It's a, it's a phrase that the church would say together as a way of worshiping God together to, to help us remind, uh, to remind us of God's greatness and his power, which should impact how we see and experience him in our reality. The reality of what God has done for you should overwhelm you. It should, it, it should carry weight in our lives. How we use our gifts should be an expression of, of gratitude to God. It should be an expression of worship to him. Because it's his power operating in us. His greatness should shape our lives and it should bend our will towards his. This should cause an uproar of praise in us. Is there any praise in you? Are you, are, are, can you, not just with our words, but we should live praise. Praise should be the melody of our lives that people can hear. It should be the hook of our lives, that, that keeps going on in our lives, that, that, that's so memorable. It should be like a Nelly hook, amen? I love you, you know, so on. Think about all God has done for you, how he served you, how he found you in the midst of your sin, how he opened your eyes, the eyes of your heart, to see his love for you, to sacrifice his son on your behalf. Think about his resurrection that gives you new life. And he showered you with gifts. Man, his gifts towards us shows us, shows us his love and grace towards us. If, if you don't know Jesus today, I want you to know the first God, gift that God gave was his son to you. That he died on the cross for your sins so that you would not just walk away from this day today, but to, but to know him, to have fellowship with him and to have fellowship with us so he could give you something to give others. God is calling Cornerstone to be strategic stewards, to invest our gifts and resources for the benefit of others, to make an impact on the lives of others, to display God's greatness. Here's the thing, y'all. We really are to show and tell about God's greatness. Everything that God entrusts to us is for his greatness. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for your, your greatness, your glory, your, your goodness to us. There is nothing that you withhold from us, Lord. You are a good God. You lavish us in your goodness and your grace. God, please help us, strengthen us, Lord. Encourage our hearts today to live for you. Allow your Holy Spirit to truly live in us, Lord, and live through us. We all have your spirit. You have showered us with your spirit. So allow your spirit to worship you through the way we live. Father, we thank you. It's in Jesus' almighty name. Amen.